This is the Press Pack from Wolves Radio, bringing you the news and views from those who fill out the Molyneux Press Box. I'm Mikey Burrows of Wolves TV. Joining me on this episode is the Midlands football reporter for the Daily Mail, Tom Colomossi, the Express and Stars Wolves reporter, Liam Keane, and BBC WM's Mike Taylor. On this episode, we focus on Julian Lopetegui's first press conference since taking over as Wolves head coach. We'll discuss how these things work, some memorable press conferences of the past, and we'll discuss the big takeaways from the new head coach's first meeting with the media. But we start with Liam Keane's views of how it all went. Yeah, I think he came across well. He said all the right things. Uh, the charm offensive was on, as managers mostly do, but he was very serious, very focused, very professional. And he does bring different sense and different aura than Wolves have probably been used to in the past, I, w- I would say. He brings an elite manager, big manager presence uh, with him. He brings top-tier coaches with him as well. And I think the way that they conducted themselves, even down to the, you know, the way they dressed, um, I thought I thought was very smart and professional. I thought it came across well and... And in terms of the biggest issues around Wolves at the moment, Raul Jimenez being one and, and of course, January transfers, he hit all the right notes with, with the fans. And if you're going to get off to, to that footing, um, it's going to put you in good stead, I think. Was he what you were expecting? Yeah, I think so, pretty much. Um, his English, I wasn't too sure. I mean, from interviews I'd seen, it seemed maybe better than, than what it was, um, albeit still pretty good. Maybe the, the pressure of... of uh, of that big unveiling uh, may have sort of played a hand in that. But um, I think pretty much what I was expecting, uh, you know, looking at his CV and and the pedigree he's got, you expect him to carry himself in a certain way. Um, And he did that whilst being pretty affable, friendly, likeable, had a bit of a laugh and joke with us at the appropriate time, but equally knows how big a job it is. Tom, what were your first reflections about him? Yeah, I thought he... He was good. I think, as as Liam said, his English, I'd probably say, was workmanlike. Of course, football's different in that he probably knows the language of football to, to get his concepts across. And there'll be a lot of Spanish speakers in that dressing room as well. I imagine he probably speaks a bit of Portuguese from his time at Porto. I think he seemed very calm and I was impressed by how he was on Raul Jimenez, actually. Clearly the club would have given him the green light to go in quite hard on Jimenez. But I think he's laying down a marker straight away. He's someone with authority and he's perfectly happy to tell one of the club's best players of this Boson era exactly what he expects from him. So I think in that respect, I was impressed with him, yeah. Mike, you've yeah, seen I plenty think- of managers... Uh, he's my fo- he's my fourteenth full time Wolves manager, I reckon, that um that I I've come across. Yeah, I think I mean the 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 line about Raoul was the standout bit, and the reason I thought it was the standout bit was that certainly in the broadcast section, which was the bit that was done first, I I wasn't in the written section, but he said it unprompted. It came without anybody asking. No, if if one of us had said we hadn't got that far down the list, if one of us had said, by the way, what are you going to do with Raoul, or words to that effect, then that would have been one thing. But he said he wasn't really led to it. He said it, which struck me as uh, a bit of a sign of authority. I mean, this is a guy who's managed big clubs. He's managed Real Madrid. He's managed Spain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't imagine there's anything about Wolves that 
that that makes him fearful. You know, he's, he 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 can handle this, but it was a bit of a marker to lay down straight away. As to as Tom says, a player who has been you know of the, the very high, the, you know the top tier of Wolves in the last four or five years. That was quite striking, but it was the fact that he wasn't really asked it that made me think. There's a confidence about this, an easy confidence that you perhaps expect about a guy who's managed at the very highest levels that there are. For people who are obviously not aware of how these kind of things work, Mike, you mentioned there was a, a separate broadcast section, which is generally the bit that people see, right? And within that is yourself and I guess other radio organisations and most importantly from what people see is the TV sections because they get to go first because they've put more money in generally in, yes. <laughs> in broadcasting circles. Um, what people would be interested in, I guess, Mike, is is how much do you and the other broadcasters talk to each other in terms of, of knowing what to ask? Because you mentioned he brought that up on his own. Uh, I guess, how is that organised? Well, it's not. Well, well okay, I mean, I can only speak to the ones that I'm on. It generally isn't. I think it's probably better that way, actually. People have the idea that we that we all do a separate interview so that he comes separately round us. I mean, you know, I felt the Prime Minister doing these interviews today and he's on with Sky and he's on with BBC and so forth. That doesn't happen generally at the top-level football clubs anymore. Those days have gone past. Um, whoever it is, uh, and this is the same with the, the once-a-week press conferences as well, not just for the new unveiling, as people will have seen on the Wolves website before, or with, with Bruno and Nuno. They sort of sit at a top table, and then somebody from Sky will ask whatever question they want to ask, and then somebody from Premier League TV and so on down the line. Um, which means if you're a bit further down the line... Then you've got to, I mean, you've got to have something in mind, but I try not to think of anything really obvious. So, and this is more about the, the sort of weekly ones. Obviously, by the time, or, unless you're either at the top of the league or the bottom of the league, or, or, or there are, you know, huge volcanic things happening at a club every week, by the time you've got two thirds of the way into the season, the pattern's pretty much set. And one press conference can be a little bit like the next one, unless anything major's happened. So, by the time it gets to me on most of these occasions, there might well have been 15 or more questions asked by the time you get to this. So probably all the obvious stuff has gone. So I'm I'm always trying to think of, and it, I, I'm being very careful how I phrase this because this is going to sound like I'm trying to catch a guy out. That's not really what we're about. I mean, we don't benefit from that. We're trying to think of at least a different way of exploring something. So yesterday, I expected that he would be asked I mean, you know, this isn't incredibly difficult. You can expect what the first person in the line is going to ask. And that's what was asked, which is fair enough. You know, that's what I'd asked if I was first in the line. You know, how are you pleased to be? You must be pleased to be here. Uh, why have you chosen Wolves? You, you know, you could have mentioned anybody, so on and so on. But something gets to me, I'm trying to... Um, firstly, you've got to listen to what he says. Because if he's answered it directly, then you'd look a wally if you ask it again the same. But you've got to find a different way of doing it. So yesterday, for example, he talked quite a bit about we're going to need some players. You know, he'd obviously been asked, you're going to, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to have money to spend. Yeah, I'm going to be looking to spend some players. Okay, well, no great shock there. We'd have been shocked if you'd have said different. But we all know how difficult it is to actually spend money in January. Um, you know, it's not as easy as you, as you think to just say, you know, snap your fingers and bring in players. So the question then really is, is this squad as it stands okay now? Will it get the, the primary job done, which is to finish 17th? Hopefully it's better than that, but that's really the objective. So that was the question that hadn't been asked by the time it got to me yesterday. Is this squad, in your opinion, 
good enough to finish 17th, you might think, well, he's not going to say no, is he? <laughs> he probably isn't. Mm. But I want to hear him say it. You know, he, that's his job. He's got to come and answer yeah. questions. So, so to get back to what you actually asked me some hours ago, there isn't a lot of planning goes into it, or at least there isn't for me. I don't sort of get into a huddle and say, you know, you asked this and I asked that. We could do that. But I don't think you actually benefit because then you stop listening. Well, because it's the interesting part because the broadcast interview tends to be the most organised. Yes. Like, Tom, you'll have seen loads of these situations. I always remember Nuno's unveiling where nobody asked a question in the main press conference because all the broadcast journalists, as Mike says, knew that they were going to go off and have their own one-to-one. And then all the written journalists know that you're going to get together in a huddle in a separate room afterwards. And so you don't want the broadcast to know the things that you're going to ask. And then the broad, the written part becomes, uh, say, like the Wild West of all of you, just kind of someone's gone down one road and then somebody else might jump in and ruin a line of questioning that's going along. So it, it works in a completely different way, Tom. Yeah, I think the days of those guaranteed huddles, as you put it, have probably gone. I mean, a lot of the time now in the pre-match press conference that Mike's describing, um, that Max Fitzgerald, who's the, the comms guy at Wolves, would probably just say, right, this is the end of that bit, and the next bit is for written journalists. Then people will ask what they've got to ask. But um, certainly I've been in press conferences before where, say, it's been not just a routine one, but one where you want to get someone to say something, and you might say, look, let's try and get him down this line. And, it, you know, if you're kind of quick enough and they're going somewhere interesting, you make sure you follow up. You know, you don't send them off down some boring tangent, hopefully. Um but yeah, to to um, to add to that, we were lucky enough to speak to Lopetegui yesterday in a, a separate part of Molyneux, um, and he was interesting. He was good, and he was interesting there as well. I think. Um, I, I think you, you what's obviously when um, managers come from abroad, the the culture of how they do media is, is always different from country to country, um, and some of them just won't be bothered about it. You know, they'll just go and go through the motions and go home. Um, and I didn't get the impression that he would be like that um, from from what he was saying yesterday, certainly what he said about Jimenez and, and other things. I think he'll be perfectly prepared to, to say quite strong things on the record, um, which which can only be good for us. Do you go and into fans those, too, I hope. Mm, do you go into those um, huddles, or, or for want of a better word, just uh, written briefings, Um from a different angle, because I know you've you've been on a local patch as well before you went to the Daily Mail. And so, you know, from Liam's point of view, everything Julian says is going to get reported. And there's lots of different things. Whereas for you, I guess, you're looking at something which is going to make news for the Daily Mail, which might be a higher threshold to try and reach. I think certainly this week when everything's happening with Ronaldo and that's just dominating the agenda and you've got a World Cup coming around the corner, but... Where we're quite lucky on the mail is obviously you've got you've got mail online, um, but we've also got the the Mail Plus app. If I can give a little plug there, um, which you can put things out at say five pm, which is good for us because you can adjust the embargoes a little bit, and often it means you can write a, perhaps a more considered piece, not just he said this, but you know something a bit more um, thought through where you can include different elements from the press conference. So. There's, there's, there's enough there for everybody. And certainly what, what Mike was saying there reminds me of when I was at the Standard and I used to be at a Tottenham press conference and, and you'd get your own, they were kind enough to let me have my own couple of questions from my 
deadlines, but you'd be trying to think of what the second or third best line might be because you knew the best line that they'd all go for it first, you know. So I, I can I can empathize with where Mike's coming from there, absolutely. Liam, in terms of um what he was like, I guess, on the top table to what he was like when he spoke to written journalists separately, was there a difference? Did you notice him being more relaxed in different circumstances? There's always going to be a little bit of a difference because the cameras aren't on you. Um, so the, for want of a better word, the performance doesn't have to be there. Um, the fans aren't going to see and hear what he says. Um, and often for managers, I think it was the case uh, to some extent with, with Julian, um, they can be a little bit stronger uh, on certain lines. I think he certainly was with with Raul um, going as f- so far as to say that um, he doesn't really want him to go to the World Cup, uh, which he didn't quite say in, in, in the broadcast section. Um, but overall, I think he was fairly consistent. You're always going to see those small differences, but fairly consistent, I felt. And, and, he, and as I say, he got the right messages across at the right time, I thought. What's interesting there, if I can just jump in, is that you would think that they'd be more relaxed when the camera's not on. Mm. And sometimes that is the case. But you do get other managers who will maybe be on their best behaviour when the camera's on them or the microphone's on them. And then when it's not, they'll be rather more abrupt and curt. Mm. Um, You know, I'm sure none of you can think which former Wolves manager I'm thinking of here. But, um, you know, that, that certainly happens across the league as well. Yeah, there's lots of different situations that I've been in. As I say, Mike's worked for, for or worked with uh, far more Wolves managers than I have over the last years. And what I found down the years is that they're all very different, actually, and they all they all come to it in different ways. Uh, I was recollecting with Mike before about the famous Walter Zenger press conference where he inexplicably came out with the line that Wolves were massive in Italy, mm. which, uh, I mean, I, I don't it's know. some extraordinary might. things, Walter. I mean, that's, you know, which is, which is terrific, obviously, from a, you know, from a trade point of view, that's great. Um, but, but, I mean, I enjoyed talking to Walter, although the problem was he was a slightly different person every time in that, you know, he, I, I can't think of another manager of any of the clubs that I work on in the West Midlands. Um Actually, I can think of one. Lee Clark, actually, is probably a similar one in that the variation between Walter Zenger in when he was feeling great and Walter Zenger if they just lost or something like that was massive. It was a huge difference. So he could come in like it was his birthday or so. He just won the pools or something. And then other times he'd come in total sackcloth and ashes. The difference was with him is you could never quite be sure which it was going to be. You know, usually you can have a reasonable guess. So-and-so, he's going to be in a good mood today or he's not going to be in a good mood today because of whatever. I was never quite sure with Walter, which made it a lot more fun, frankly. I mean, that's 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 really what you know, what makes it different because it's very easy to do the same interview and particularly if you're covering one club uh, more than any other, it's quite easy to do the same interview 50 or 60 times in a season. Um, and nobody wants that. You don't want it. The manager involved doesn't want it, and probably the listeners, I'm sure, don't want it either. Mm. Um, so, so that's no good. Um, so, it, it, it's it's an interesting discipline, and it's changed. And obviously, you know, in an, we'd all love to have you know one-on-one interviews all the time. They're, that's obviously great, and depending on how long you've got, you can go down different tangents and explore it quite different. And, and I quite like doing that, obviously. But actually, the way that it's it's developed. Um, with Premier League clubs and, and Wolves are not unique the others are similar uh, some are even more restrictive um, but it's actually made me 
work a little bit harder on you know the regular press conferences I'm more thinking about. Firstly, because by the time it's come to me, and I'm well aware that the newspaper guys are waiting on the end, and it's only you know fair that they get a fair go. If they've already been waiting 10 or 15 minutes, quite often, sometimes the manager can be a bit bored by then. So I've got a self-imposed limit of three questions. So unless in the third question, the manager says, oh, I'm going to resign tomorrow, then I think I might allow myself another <laughs> one. But aside from that, self-imposed limit is three questions you know unless he's something utterly sensational that absolutely must be followed up i think that's fair enough um because he's had enough by then and you know tom and liam and, and co are waiting to get in and secondly it makes me listen harder because i know i'm going to look a hmm. idiot in front of everybody and not not least because wolves will stick the whole lot on their website probably so i'll look at website uh, uh, an, idiot, uh, an idiot in front of everybody who looks on the website if I say something and he says, well, I answered that five minutes ago, you got to listen because that's when you find out. And, you know, quite often you'll listen to something, think I'm going to ask that. Forget what I was going to ask. Don't write questions down. Listen to what he says because that's where the most interesting stuff is. Yeah, It's interesting I- there what Mike says, if I could just about following a question up because we were, from our point of view, we were quite lucky yesterday because um, we've all done it, but the colleague who asked about Jimenez then didn't actually follow the question up. I think he asked another very good question about um, Lopetegui's family situation, but it meant there was a bit more to go at once it got to the print section. As if he'd followed it up with two or three more questions, then it's all there and it's all live and it's it's a, um, a harder a harder thing to attack later on for yeah. your own section. Yeah, whereas for, for us, I thought in the broadcast bit, he'd kind of, I mean, obviously he's gone and expanded it more in the papers, which is great, but for us, we'd kind of got the message there that what he said even that was only a, I think it was like 55 seconds I took it out for the radio last night about him and he pretty much said all there was and, then, and we could go off and then obviously there's different lines that have come out in the newspapers now but that was fine for us and given that you know we got a limited number of you know shots in the in the locker that was done so once you think you know if you've got a limited amount of time with limited number of questions if somebody's answered it pretty thoroughly yeah we could have picked that apart for another 10 minutes and I've, I've no doubt in your section I'm sure you did but um but we'd kind of got the main meat of it and there were so many other things to go on and talk about yesterday well, that, well, that's you know, an interesting point Mike and and this is for all three of you um in terms of sometimes when a when a manager comes in or a head coach comes in there is clear things that need sorting right it feels now almost like there are lots of different sub-stories because we've got the World Cup and the break that's entailing with it, the fact that there's a January window coming around, the fact that obviously Wolves are in the position and and Julian Lopetegui finds himself taking over a team who are bottom of the Premier League. And then there's stories about individual players. You've mentioned Raul. I'm sure Ruben Neves was talked about a lot in his history in there, Liam. And and then maybe Adama Traore and a few others. So it's almost like... Is there an awful lot going on? And and did that make a difference to how the whole day panned out, really? Because there was simply so much to talk about. I mean, it always going to make a difference, especially in the written section, because I think we jump around from subject to subject because everyone's got you know their topics they want to talk about and want to ask. Um, equally, as Tom said, there were several follow-ups on the Rao situation. Um, but it doesn't really make it difficult to to get through the, the topics provided that you are prepared beforehand and it comes back to a bit of what mike was saying really um his you know the hard and fast rule of three questions and not writing questions down is pretty good advice um 
equally I'm not quite as disciplined as Mike I'm, and uh, and I do I do tend to um, maybe over prepare a little bit because for my role and, and my remit and my audience um, with the Express and Star I've got to try and and get some more lines to hold back for for the days coming up um, in, in terms of our newspaper that came out today uh, you know the coverage and the, the number of pages was huge so the workload was massive so I had to have so much really to, to, to go on. Um, we were quite fortunate that there was, I think, 10 or so um, sort of newspaper colleagues um, in the in the written section. So there was a lot of people to, to attack all the different questions. Um, and you've just got to try and get your get your foot in there and know and trust that the people around you are experienced enough to make sure everything gets covered. Um, and that definitely was the case. I think we're, I mean, Tom, will, I'm sure will agree, we're, we're probably quite lucky in the, in the West Midlands patch that it's a pretty friendly uh, pack of journalists and um, everyone is a lot more experienced than me uh, but luckily you know, I'm in good company and it's able, it, it works pretty well basically Yeah I, I think Liam's absolutely right and I think everybody has everybody is able to respect what all your colleagues need I think and I think that's the, the crucial thing so as Liam says he has a huge amount of space to fill on a day like that so um at a certain point in the press conference, you'll, you'll let him go for it. And you were able to get five or six questions in, weren't you, at the end about different elements, which would have, you know, made decent copy for you, for you and, and um, holding back lines and everything like that. So it's just a question of understanding what everyone's after, I think, before it starts. Um, again, this for all three of you, really, given, uh, say, the, what he actually said in the press conference and the, as we just discussed, some of the issues that are affecting him, um, Tom, I know you want to go first on this in terms of what do you think is top of his list to get done in this period? I think that he needs to turn them into a team of score. You know, I think he's got um, five or six weeks to work out a way of attacking that is fruitful. Eight goals in 15 games. Now, I know Jimenez has not been fair. They lose their big signing, you know, halfway into a game, but still... With the attacking players they've got, it's such a low return. Um, Pedro Neto, we should mention as well, is desperately unlucky. But you know, Gwedge was a, a really effective player for Valencia, scored goals. Um, Badens can score goals. Wang scored goals in different places. So I think you need to work out a way of making their good approach work into something more substantial because... Um, Defensively, they're they're still reasonably all right. I think. I think it's a you know Collins has settled well, hasn't he? Kilman's decent size, a good goalkeeper. I think Bueno looks a really good player. Liam would know more than me. I haven't seen much of him um, outside the first team, but I think he looks a, a really decent player. So it's, they're a bit like a golfer who's all right, tee to green, aren't they? And they just can't put. Um, so he needs to cure the yips on the green. If I can extend that rather clumsy metaphor. Just to give uh, Bueno his, his sort of due credit, really, as you mentioned, um, watching quite a bit of him in the um, in the 21s and 23s last season, he was always on that periphery of breaking in. And it was one of those strange situations, similar with Meriton Shabani before he left the club, that the fans are so excited by an individual player, probably for not any wrong or reason. <laughs> they just seem to have seen him play occasionally and seen that, you know, think he's going to be okay. I happen to have watched Bueno quite a lot and... and Really did rate him. Wasn't you never know if they're going to make that step up, particularly physically. He's not the most imposing um, of young lads, but uh, he's taken it to it like a duck to water. Really, I think he's been excellent. Um, his his focus and uh, and calm presence inside um, for a young lad at left back 
in a position that really both fullbacks Wolves have struggled in this season. Um, he, he's taken that opportunity. I think hopefully Julian Lopetegui you will give him that chance to to carry that through because him and, and other players like Totti Gomez probably deserve more chances. They must have a plan for January. I mean, there are so many things that, are, that, that need to be high up in the order, but they must have a plan for January. I'm, I'm sure, like a lot of clubs, Wolves would ideally not like to be spending fortunes in January, but they've got to face facts. You know, they, 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 they are in trouble. You know, the bottom of any league is, is really magnetic, and it's not necessarily the case that the best best three teams or the best equipped three teams get relegated. It rarely is. Um, and once you're in trouble, I mean... Tom's right, you know, Wolves can defend, they've got good defenders, but imagine the pressure that they must be feeling at the moment on the field. If you know that the chances are your team's not going to score today, one strike and you're out, that's, it doesn't matter how good a defender you are, if you know you can't make a mistake, compare, imagine if you're a Manchester City defender, I know this is an extreme comparison, but yeah, if you make a boo-boo... Chances are you're going to score at least two. It's anyway. five one. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. Yes, exactly. So, you know, m- more often than not, you're going to be all right. That's not what people are going to be talking about. Match of the day. It's not going to be costly for Wolves at the moment. It is costly. If they make a mistake, they're done. And that is, uh, you know, th- there's a lot of things that go into that. Yes, they have to score goals, but it's got to somehow restore confidence in the team. They'll have confidence in him because you know he's a name that's walked in. So any of them who know anything about his background, that should pretty much impress them. It's who he'll have confidence in there and whether he can build confidence in themselves. Final point to all three of you. If you were a Wolves fan listening to this, would you be encouraged by what you've heard about Julian Lopetegui and the things he's spoken about in his first few days in charge? I absolutely would. Yeah, I think the problem Wolves have got, as, as the guys have alluded to, is of course goals. Uh, defensively, for the most part, they've been okay. They've leaked in, in a couple of games. Um, but you've got players there, especially some of the new signings, that have got all the talent in the world and they haven't hit the ground running and they can't currently get it out of them. You're bringing in a manager who has got pedigree and previous of doing that at several different levels. Porto, of course, is a different level, level to Real Madrid and, and before that in the youth system at, at Spain. Um, and he's a manager who comes in and has said all the right things at the right time. He's also, as I said at the beginning of this, has not backed away or shied away from talking about the Raul situation in a very honest manner. Um, if a manager comes in and says those kind of things, the impression that we all get is that he won't be taking any prisoners. Equally, he has to find the right balance of putting an arm around certain players, uh, and that manage, man, man management sorry, is going to be stretched to the limit but he's got the experience to do it. And you bring a manager like that in, who's got all the experience. You now back him in January. It's got all of the makings of Wolves getting out of it. The problem is they have to do it in January for me because I don't think the current squad, even with injury, uh, injured players coming back, has got enough goals in it. So if they can do that in January with the mixture of him coming in, I think Wolves have got every chance of being absolutely fine this season. Certainly enhance their chances um, in that uh, he, first, he's a guy who obviously has authority and believes in his own authority, and the club have given him authority. We saw that demonstrated this week, um, and will command the respect of the players immediately. There is a lot of work to be done, but I think we can assume that a manager like him wouldn't have taken the job unless he was sure 
that he was going to be backed accordingly. Now, we'll see, we'll all find out soon enough. But look, Julian Lopetegui could have got a job in the top half of any of the European leagues if he'd have so chosen. He didn't, I don't believe he had to take this job. He's only just come out of Sevilla where he did extremely well until the first few weeks of this season. His own track record, I think every Wolves fan will know off by heart by now. So it's hard to believe that he was short of options. He need, Wolves needed him more than he probably needed this job. Yes, he wants to manage in the Premier League. Lots of people do. But it's reasonable, I think, given his track record, to assume that he would have made that eventually with a team that's higher up in the league. That must suggest that he is certain that he'll be given the support he's going to get and that he will need to get Wolves to where they need to be, not just this season, but in the longer term. Although, as he rightly says, he's got to do this season first. I think the couple of guys, the guys have talked well about his pedigree there and I echo everything they say. Reservations I would have. I think whoever you are, whatever job you do, when you're going to work abroad in another country, it's always difficult. There's always a period of adaptation, language, culture, finding a house. I know at a football club, a lot of that stuff will be done for you, but he's never worked in English football before and he's joining a struggling team. So it will be a tough ask for him. I think as well, he's been at a, a big club in Sevilla and as Mike said, he did very well, but it took a lot out of him. He alluded to that in our section as well. My um, question is whether he's recharged enough, especially given his personal situation, to take on a challenge of this size. I think the the break is an encouraging thing. Um, Again, as both the guys have said, I'm pretty sure he'll be backed in January. I think the first, sounds like an obvious thing to say, but I think the first few weeks are vital. I think if he gets a couple of results, you're off and running then, everybody's on board. The first month or so of competitive action will probably define whether it works or not. It's going to be fascinating to see. Tom Colomossi, Liam Key, Mike Taylor, thank you for being on the press pack.